0: The following is a continuation in our series looking at the Advent. We hope you enjoy. Hey, y'all. If y'all will go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to talk about John the Baptist tonight, and just so y'all are aware, we're going to. Uh, do our lesson tonight, and then we're going to um, switch gears, and we'll actually return back to our Advent series uh, next Christmas time. Uh, since it's already January, we can go ahead and jump into our next series and and uh, circle back around to this. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to talk about the forerunner To Christ this morning. So let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for how you care for us. Lord, we thank you for paving the way for your son uh, through this man, John the Baptist. And I just pray that you would be with us and watch over us as we study this. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So several years ago, there was a Japanese emperor. He commissioned an artist to paint a bird and several months passed and then several years and still no painting was brought to the palace finally the Emperor became so exasperated that he went to the artist's house and demanded the explanation instead of making excuses the artist put up a blank canvas and an easel and in less than an hour he had completed the painting that was to be this brilliant masterpiece and when the Emperor asked the reason for the delay, the artist showed him all these pictures of feathers and wings and heads and feet that he'd been drawing before. He explained that all this was the research and study that he had been doing, that had been necessary to complete this painting. See, he was preparing for something big. Preparation for important things is important. Maybe you have some traditions in your family that help you get ready for Christmas. Setting up a tree or doing family advent or something. All of it is to prepare us to celebrate Jesus' coming to earth. And the cool thing is that God actually made preparation Himself for Jesus to come. He did this through a messenger named John the Baptist. And today, we're going to look at how John prepared the way Jesus. So this evening I want us to really focus on this idea that John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way by making it clear that Jesus was the Messiah. So let's turn to Luke chapter 1 verse 5 and I'll read verse through verse 10. His division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So we see this priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. We learn several things about them. We learn that they were righteous Verse 6 tells us that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. This doesn't mean that they were perfect, but that they loved and trusted the Lord. And when they sinned, they repented. We also learn that they were barren. Zechariah's wife was barren, which means she could not bear children. Barrenness in the ancient world was an incredible personal trial and caused much spiritual discouragement. It often made women feel shamed, although the Lord used barrenness for many of His plans throughout history. But they were faithful and trusted the Lord in the midst of this trial. And we also see that Zechariah had his turn to serve in the temple, and this was a huge deal. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. At this time, there were about 20,000 priests who ministered in the temple in Jerusalem. And Because there were so many of them, they divided them into 24 groups, and each division served for one week at a time, two times a year. So Zechariah, with the rest of his division, which would have been about 800 if everyone had reported that morning, And after the sacrifice, lots were cast to see who would have the highest privilege of offering incense on the altar in the holy place of the temple. And his odds were incredibly low. In fact, it was a .001% chance that he would be the one called up. But his lot was cast. after being chosen, you could never do this again. It was literally a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So he had the smallest chance of getting it, and he got it. And he'll never be able to do it again. So there's this angel and a message that comes to him. And we see this starting in verse 11. I want to read verse 11 through 13. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. This angel shows up, and oftentimes, in fact, most of the time in the Scriptures, when something big is happening, there's a good chance there's an angel going to be there. Angels show up when something huge is happening in redemptive history. Or when something is about to happen in redemptive history. Think about when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. There's an angel there. The giving of the law at Sinai. Jesus' birth, temptation, and resurrection. Zechariah's response to this messenger is one of fear, which is very fitting. Uh, We have a very particular view of angels in American society. And the way that the Bible describes angels is very different. And since the death of Malachi, there weren't any prophets and there weren't any words from God. In fact, they've been silent for about 400 years and the Lord breaks his silence by answering Zechariah's prayer. Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a child in their old age, similar to how Abraham and Sarah did. And remember why Zechariah is there he is interceding for God's people and asking the Lord to send a Messiah. And in answering Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a son, God is actually going to answer Israel's prayer for a son, for that Messiah. So this child would come to prepare the way. We see a little bit more here in verses 14 to 16. I would like to read this. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink strong drink or wine, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. See, John's going to be set apart from birth. And his life will be entirely devoted to God and to Christ. From the womb, he will be filled with the spirits. Like Samson, who we've recently looked at on Sunday nights, he will be a Nazarite. He will not partake of any strong drink or wine. He will not cut his hair. And he won't come into contact with anything that is dead. He's a special servant of the Lord. And similar to Samson, he's going to be God's instrument of judgment and deliverance. He'll be used by God to turn hearts, this whole idea of turning. This is the Old Testament language of repentance. And John the Baptist will lead this great revival of repentance, all for the purpose of pointing people towards someone else, pointing people towards Jesus. In Mark 1.4 it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, he would be the forerunner who prepares the way for Christ. And this angel Gabriel in verse 17 says, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. and Make ready the lord a people prepared for himself so this angel is connecting john the baptist to elijah and if you remember elijah it was a famous prophet in the old testament who sought to turn the hearts of the people back to god there was this king named ahab and his wife jezebel who were leading god's people astray by encouraging idol worship we got raised up elijah to bring those people back and prepare them for a new king and john the baptist is doing the almost exact same thing just in a different context and if you think about what we spent all last semester studying in the minor prophets the minor prophets ended at malachi
1: and malachi 4 the lord promised that before the messiah comes someone like elijah would appear and prepare the way the Old Testament ends with a prediction of this John the Baptist. And the New Testament begins with his birth announcement through this message from this angel to Zechariah in the temple. Tim Keller, I'm sure you've heard that name before. He's a pastor in our denomination. He shares this in one of his books called Hidden Christmas. He says this, When I was a new young pastor in a small town in Virginia, there were a number of dilapidated homes and trailers surrounding our church, inhabited by people who were poor and who had many social and personal problems. Occasionally, one person would say to me that it was wrong for our middle-class church to hold its services in the midst of this neighborhood without reaching out to its residents. One day, The deacon in our church and I walked across the church's parking lot to visit a woman who'd lived in a rented house. She was a single mother whose broken relationships with men had left her impoverished, depressed, living somewhat in disgrace in that conservative, traditional community. And raising her children with almost no help or support, we sat down and had a long talk about the gospel, about the glad tidings, and she responded with joy to the message. She trusted in Christ. I came back to see her about a week later, but when we sat down, she burst into tears. That week she had called up her sister to tell her about the conversation with me and about her new faith, but she had been laughed at. My sister said, let me get this straight. The preacher told you that a person like you could do all the foolish, immoral things that you've done in your life. And five minutes before you die, you can just repent and trust Jesus and be saved just like that. He told you that you don't have to be a really good person in life to go to heaven. That's offensive. It's too simple. It's too easy. I'll never believe that. And you shouldn't either. Her sister thought that salvation had to be this great feat achieved by noble, moral deeds. It couldn't be something that you just asked for. The ordinaries of the gospel had offended her pride. I told the weeping woman that her assurance and comfort were not unfounded. We went to the Bible and studied until she saw clearly that Christ came in weakness and smallness to save not the proud, but those who admit that they are weak small, and need a Savior. And her joy returned. The ancient tidings of Christmas still make people glad. See, there's a message that came to this woman. This good news of Christ coming to forgive sins transformed her life. But her sister had a very different message. Her sister wanted to bring something to the table. But that's not what the message was. The message isn't, show me what you got, and then I'll forgive you. No, the message is, let me show you what I'm going to do. And that is exactly what John is pointing us towards. That's the message of Advent. See, Zechariah was shocked by this message of the angel because he was old and struggled to believe that his wife could conceive a child. And he was struck mute because of this. Right? Believers may sometimes be overtaken by doubt and unbelief. But this message would go forth despite Zechariah's doubt and unbelief. Because this was a promise that God had made so long ago, and it's the same promise that He gives to you and I, that Jesus forgives your sins. And the only thing you need to bring to the table is a repentant heart, saying, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. The good news of Christ's coming is that He comes to forgive sins. It's something that we could never achieve for ourselves. And John the Baptist's job was to point everybody to that message. To that forgiveness of sins that comes through repentance and faith. He pointed everyone to Christ. And though his ministry and office was unique and unrepeatable, we can also follow in his footsteps by pointing people to Christ to find life and salvation Turn very quickly to Isaiah 40. I just want to end with this because this is a passage that has a very close connection with John the Baptist. It was his role here on this earth. I want to read verses 1 to 6. It says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This was what John the Baptist was sent to do. He was sent to raise the valleys, to lower the mountains, to make the rough places a plain. The uneven ground shall become level, all for the purpose of removing any obstacle for anyone to see who Jesus is. And this is a job that we get to do as well. There are people in your life that don't know Christ. Or maybe they have a misinformed view of who Jesus is. Our job as believers is to proclaim Jesus for who He is. Not a watered down version. Not our own version. But for who He is. We have to make that clear to the world. That's exactly what John was sent to do. And that's what we get to do in our relationships, in our families, with our friends, wherever we are. We are to make claim. We are to make it super clear who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and we love You and we ask that You would please work in our hearts, Lord. Help us to have this same mission, Lord, of removing any obstacles of faith. That people might have, please help us to always make it clear who our Savior is, what is this good news that we have received, and how has it changed us. Pray that you would please watch over us. Pray that you would please be with us for the rest of this evening. We pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WIM.